This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tall Boys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pond. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking 0, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! Okay, welcome in to another episode of Hawkeyes and Tallways. This is episode number 41. I'm Rob. I'm Dylan. And I'm Bo. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Ah, perfect. That tastes mighty nice. Mm -hmm. We got a great episode for you guys. Um, We wanted to talk about this last uh, Saturday's win against Wisconsin. Um, It was a decisive victory. It felt great. All is right in the world in Hawkeye football. Uh, And then, obviously, uh, we will talk about how the game this Saturday slated to play against Michigan, unfortunately, was canceled due to COVID. Um, and so we want to talk about, you know, where do we go from here? You know, what bowl games are we going to look at? Um, can we aspire to, or could you see the Hawkeyes in? Um, so we're going to kind of give you a primer for the bowl season, uh, coming up. And then also we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Iowa men's basketball team, which is playing phenomenal and they have yet to lose a game. So we're also going to get to that. But first guys, how's your holiday season going? Dude, mine's good, man. Just drinking a ton of beers and kicking back and loving all these Hawkeye sports going on right now. Like you said, all is right in the world. Hawks are 6-2. and two. Iowa basketball is doing pretty good. Iowa women's basketball is doing pretty good. Right now, it's pretty good to be a Hawk. What about you, Dill? Oh, it's great to be a Hawkeye. I think the only thing that could really improve it right now is uh, get the boys and the singlets going and get the Iowa men's wrestling team going and yeah, they're, they're looking like they're set up for a stellar year, uh, similar to last year as well. So, um, yeah, fire, fired up. Just fired up with the whole state of Hawkeye sports. It reminds me of the mid-80s, which I wasn't alive for, but I imagine it would remind me of the mid-80s when, you know, Iowa wrestling was dominating. Iowa football, you know, won the Big Ten that year, or I guess they technically lost Ohio State, whatever. Um, but they were number one in the country at one point. The Iowa men's basketball team was solid. Uh, yeah, great times to be a Hawkeye. Absolutely, guys. I 100% agree. Me, it sounds like, uh, sounds like, hold on, here, let's queue it up. It sounds like it's the <laughs> with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, seriously, it really is, guys, to be a Hawkeye. So I just want to throw some Christmas music in there just for the listeners out there. But 
Guys, we need to rewind it back and talk about what has put us in such a great mood. And really, it all started um, this last Saturday against the Wisconsin Badgers, our Big Ten West rivals, um, arguably the best team in the Big Ten West for the past decade. And guys, we pulled out a victory this, uh, this last Saturday. 28 to 7 was the final score. We we're up 6 nothing at halftime. Um, ended up, you know, really taking it to them. I mean, especially with our defense only allowing them to score seven points and the way in which they scored the off those seven points off a turnover. I mean, we can go in, go ahead and get into the game, but first I just want to get your guys overall thoughts. We can start with Dill. What did you think about this, this decisive win against the batters? Yeah, absolutely. Rob. Uh, first off, I wanted to give a shout out to Lucky's Bar and Grill. And I can't remember if it's Lake Ozark, Missouri or Osage Beach, Missouri. But over this past weekend, that's where I actually watched the Hawk game and uh, did a little Googling all online, checked the Hawkeye report and found out that was a pretty quality Hawkeye bar down there in the Ozarks area. And uh, we went in there, my girlfriend and I, and man, what a time that was. The place was jam-packed with Hawkeye fans. The place was loud had the game over all the speakers. So even five hours away from Iowa city, the Hawkeyes were going hard and uh, you know, flat out, we had a lot to cheer for, you know, the first half was a bit of a dud defensive kind of what you think of when you think of an Iowa Wisconsin game where, you know, a lot, a lot of really hard hitting defense and Wisconsin's defense came to play in that first half as well. You really got to give them credit there and, you know, holding our dynamic offense to six points and, uh, obviously our defense shutting out Wisconsin for the first time in what they say, you know, it was 25 years, something like that in the first half. So uh, unbelievable play by them. And, and that strong defense continued into the second half where, you know, I think Spencer Petras settled down quite a bit. You know, we saw Tyler Goodson and Makai Sargent running the ball and then Amir Smith Marset absolutely go off. So, uh, you know, all three phases of the game, I thought the Hawkeyes played well with the exception of that muff punt, but you know, Charlie Jones has been so good this year. I don't think, you know, you hold that against him whatsoever. The kid was trying to make a play, and uh, that was what it was. So, overall, my takeaway from this game is, holy shit, our defense is good. What do you think, Bo? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna echo uh, your overall thoughts in the first half. This was like a true Big Ten game, right? We saw a ton of different punts from both teams in the first, first uh, quarter and second quarter. Rob, would you say six nothing at halftime? I think we saw two field goals by Iowa, and it was literally playing the the field position. So it was like a classic Kirk Ferentz, top two dogs in the West battling after it. Now, granted, Wisconsin wasn't a top dog this year. I still don't think Northwestern's a top dog. But uh, anyway, uh, crazy first first half, and then like you said, our offense looked great. Honestly, Petrus to me looked really good. Uh, was really impressed with the run game, especially with Makai Sargent early. And like you said, to echo on your defensive statement, I, I watched a segment this morning. Um, I believe David Eichel uh, was talking about – I think that – well, long story short, listen to this segment, and they, they're like, man, at the end of last year, A.J. Epines is gone. All the Essentially, all of our key pieces in the D-line was gone. And we're like, man, what is this D-line and what is this defense going to look like? And here comes Davion Nixon out of nowhere – is the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten this year. And our defensive line is arguably the best D-line in the Big Ten this year. And then, our, like you said, our defense is is top-notch. So what an incredible way to cap off 
you know, eight games of a regular season. Kudos to the University of Iowa for playing eight games. They're one of the only teams in the Big Ten to actually play a full slate, full season. So kudos to all those guys for testing. But, man, what an awesome feeling to go beat Wisconsin, even if they were down a couple dudes, but end up 6-2 and two in the year um, and, and look forward to a good bowl game. So, Rob, do you have any other thoughts to add on that? Yeah, well, first off, you know, we got to talk about the first half. I, I was really thinking, I remember watching it, um, you know, we go down two, two drives. I mean, we, first off, we, I looked like we were struggling to, uh, to sustain our drives at the beginning, and it was starting to become a field position game. And I was, I remember telling the guys that I watched, I was watching the game with this last week, and I was like, we're losing this field position game. This is exactly what Iowa-Wisconsin looks like. Luckily, we're kicking field goals. But I was like, if they can do this and stop us um, from scoring touchdowns, like this is literally exactly how we lost to Purdue and how we lost to Northwestern, just like this exact recipe. So I was kind of waiting, and it seems like this year, and I don't know if you guys are with me on this, but it seems like this year we have started to become a second-half team. Like we have started to really put together and show – how great we are, especially defensively in the second half. And I don't know if that's just halftime adjustments uh, or what, but we've seen to kind of just put it together. And, and I, I, and also for the uh, degenerates, if I can say that right, degenerates out there, hammer the under like six, nothing at halftime. This is exactly what we thought. And uh, so <laughs> I wonder how much that line changed uh, for those of you who are live betting at the beginning, at the, in the middle of the game there. You know, Rob, you make a good point. You make a good point about us being like a second half team, but I think it honestly all really started with uh, with Petrus playing a lot better. You know, the first couple of games where we lost, we saw him throwing the ball inefficiently, but more than he probably should have. And just looking at his stats the last few games, he's thrown in the last five games seven touchdowns to two picks, comparative to what um, three picks and only three touchdowns the first couple of games. I mean, the dude's just the dude's been playing a lot better more efficient we finally started to find that run game flow or that mix to where we can finally you know balance both of those games off each other to be more efficient and more successful in the second half of ball games and dill let me ask you this um because you said this last last podcast you said this is the this is the game i want to see spencer peach us really step step up and come into the beginning of him being our guy you know, for the, for the rest of the season. And so this is his stat line, 14 for 25, 211 yards, 8.4 average, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 71.2 QBR. What do you think? So with the first year starting, a first year starting quarterback, I'm going to answer your guys's question by asking you a question. Which one of those stats do you think is the most important? I'm going to say touchdowns. I'm going to okay. say pass. I'm going to say, uh, ooh, I almost just said total yards, but I want to say completions is going to be mine. Okay. Well, you're both wrong. So the number one most important stat for any first-year starting quarterback is going to be turnovers. Interceptions. And this young man had zero, zero interceptions. And that's kind of what I've noticed throughout him, you know, throughout the season is just kind of – you alluded to it, Bo – it's just those stupid passes, the question marks. It's the what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you thinking passes? You know, and he still has a few of those, but he's starting to remind me more of like a Nate Stanley, like where when Nate Stanley, you know, if he was going to miss somebody, he was going to overthrow him, overthrow him. 
you know, to not risk throwing that interception unless he needed to take that risk. And so that's what I love to see, you know, and I think Spencer Peters kind of figured it out, calmed down a little bit and realized the playmakers that he's got around him. Like, good God, you know, like after last week, we made it a point to throw to the tight ends quite a bit. And, you know, our two tight ends, Sam Laporta and Sean Byer did a hell of a job. Well, Wisconsin must have saw that on tape and they had them covered up for most part of the game. And, you know, then we started throwing to Brandon Smith. We started throwing to Amir Smith-Marset. So this team just has too many weapons. You know, you just got to do, you know, take what the defense gives you is what you hear Patrick Mahomes say quite a bit in the NFL. And that's what you're starting to see Spencer Petras do. And for the haters out there, he is the guy. He proved that this week. Um, you know, you could say what you want about Wisconsin being two and three uh, now after losing to Iowa, but those two losses, both close, you know, similar position to Iowa where, you know, they played a tough Northwestern team and made a few too many mistakes. And I forget their other loss right now, but it was another head scratcher. Um, so, yeah, I think Spencer came out and beat some good teams this season, and he's without, without a doubt the guy moving forward. I think so too. And I think one thing not to beat a dead horse, but you know, he's going to have growing pains. He didn't have that early off season. Didn't have those early couple of games to get, to get in his rhythm either. So that's all mm-hmm. I'll say on that because I know all our listeners and everybody in Hawkeye nation is, is tired of hearing all that bullshit, but it's true. <laughs> got to trust the process. He's going to be our guy next year too. I agree though. Yep. I, I also agree. agree. That's the thing. Oh, go ahead. But Rob, sorry. <clears throat> I was going to say, I also agree. I mean, um, I don't see anybody. I mean, I think that we need to, to in order to maintain like stability. Uh, I think that we need to kind of con- continue to let him do his thing until, you know, we see otherwise. I mean, we can't really hold it against him, like you know, some of those dumb mistakes that he year earlier. And I, you could argue that he might have one of the rockier starts um, for any quarterback to come into, especially with the COVID situation, not having any non-conference games or like a full off season or mini camp uh, or training camp, whatever to that they do normally for, for a regular season in this like pandemic year. So. Oh, oh man. Absolutely. You know, we're, he's playing by different rules. You know, this, this year had different rules, so we can't really judge him by the same way that we would judge a full season under some, with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, too, the Big Ten coaches, they can definitely see that. You know, they see, you know, there's a reason he was named Big Ten Honorable Mention, and I think it's a big part of that is the rocky start he had and the turnaround he had. You know, everybody wants to blame him for those first two losses, and, you know, and he's the quarterback. He takes a fair share of the blame, and I'm sure he's happy to do that. But you also got to turn around and give him the credit when he leads his team to win six in a row. Well, and one positive thing, too, especially against the quarterback that we saw Iowa face this weekend, Graham Mertz came out and threw, what, four or five touchdown passes, his first ever college game against Indiana or uh, Illinois this year, and he mm-hmm. has regressed since. Now, again, he doesn't have the weapons that Spencer Petrus does, but in comparison, Petrus ended the note or into the regular season anyway on a high note, can show that he can play, whereas Graham Mertz is sitting here scratching his head, man, I may not start next year, which is, is likely he will, but. Yeah, anyway. and very, very excited to see what he can do versus an SEC team in the bowl game. So, yep. getting ahead that, of myself. I'm sorry. That being said, let's uh, let's just run through the rest of the stats real quick. Uh, speaking of the weapons that we have on offense, <clears throat> Tyler Goodson, 11 carries for 106 yards, 9.6 yards to carry, one touchdown. Skewed a little bit. He did have an 80-yard touchdown run. So, 
you don't take if you take that out he was 10 for 26 yards um Mikai Sargent 13 carries for 51 yards um so he did a little bit better um you know running wise but it looked like we were kind of splitting the carries up in the backfield we're going to get to this guy because we got to talk about him but Amir Smith-Marset had a great day receiving seven receptions 140 yards two touchdowns the longest which was a 53 yard touchdown um but you're right. They did contain our tight ends. Uh, Brandon Smith had uh, three receptions for 30 yards, but the only tight end who had a catch was Sam Laporta. He had one catch for 11 yards. Now I thought there was a few times we were trying to throw the ball over the middle, um, you know, into, with our tight ends into traffic and just looked like a missed throw or, uh, you know, just trying to force it in there. There was a, there's a few times where it looked like it was just, uh, missed connection really I mean it's not like we weren't targeting them I, I think they played good defense but I think it's hard if there's somebody it's hard it's a harder throw for a quarterback and maybe you know somebody like Kirby could attest to this but when you got somebody who's going on a crossing and you're trying to throw it low and away so only they can catch it I think that's a tough throw especially for a young quarterback like Spencer so I think those are the ones where we kind of missed them all well, I also think, too, that you got to credit Wisconsin's secondary because their safety has actually played out of their mind, I thought. You know, given a couple of different plays that Peters put the ball right on the money, but I think their safeties hit hard. They came, they attacked the ball. They, they played really well, That I, I thought, anyway, on Saturday. Oh, absolutely. That was kind of secondary played out of their mind, especially in that first half. So, um, yeah, with the exception of Amir burning them a couple times, I think they played a, a complete game for the most part, too. So, And on uh, top of that, too, sorry, Dill, go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, you're good. I was just finishing, so you're good. Okay, so one thing I want to mention, too, is the obviously we saw the the snow on the ground, too. And don't <laughs> yeah. get me wrong, weather, weather plays effect in everything, but you could see the Wisconsin – it almost seemed like Wisconsin as a team didn't understand, you know, how slick the – the, the field was like, there's a couple of times on when they were playing offense that their, their, uh, the receiver slipped and you could see a couple of times on defense that their secondary slipped too. So a lot of those quick hitters to Brandon Smith or Amir Smith, Marset, I mean, you're really working for us too. And honestly, why not give the ball to your hot hand? I mean, Amir Smith had seven catches. Keep feeding him the rock, bro. If he's, if he's hot, he's hot, man. Absolutely. So, so speaking of, that's a good way to segue. I mean, so this is a play that we'll all be talking. I'm sure all the news outlets are talking about already, but Amir Smith-Marset, I think his defender did slip on this play. He was in the slot. He runs like a corner uh, and Spencer hit him perfectly in stride. And so he's, he's wide, he's wide open. He's running down, you know, into the end zone by himself. And he tries to pull a Tyreek Hill and, and does a front flip into the end zone. Um, and then upon the landing, he didn't quite stick his landing and, uh, he came up limping, uh, walked onto the sideline, was taken into the locker rooms after the game, it was announced he suffered a high ankle sprain out for the rest of the season. I'm pretty pissed as a fan. This is the same guy who got a DUI earlier and, and missed a game. Dude. And in that situation too. You got to think that the football gods are out for your blood. Like you have one bad incident, you got to play it cool the rest of the game or the rest of the year. Like I understand, you know, you want to you want to go out on a high note as a senior, want to go out mechanic on a high note. But like, come on, man, you got you got to be smarter than that. And you were so close to just walking in the end zone and being done with it. Kick, punt the ball. We'll take fifteen yards over getting hurt. 
Yeah. Okay. My, my thoughts on this guys. And I think you guys know probably what way I would typically lean when it comes to something like this, you know, I, I think most people would agree, probably not the smartest thing in the world to do, but here I go. Who gives a fuck? That young man has made so many plays for the Iowa Hawkeyes. If he wants to do a flip into the end zone for his last touchdown in Kinnick stadium ever, I'm all for it. Absolutely. I do not care. Um, I really hope he can get healthy enough to play in the bowl game. You know, that is yet to be determined. So hopefully we get a January 2nd slot, but get a chance to see him one more time. But that man has made so many plays wearing the, you know, golden, golden black. So uh, I'm okay with it. I am okay with it. Do I think it was a dumb thing to do? Yes. If I had the athletic ability to do that, would I have done that if I was in his shoes? Probably not, but I'm okay with it. The man had some fun. Oh, well. I could tell he was trying to smile his way through it. And I was, and when he started like limping a little bit in the, in the camera, like, like stayed on him. I don't know if you guys noticed that when we were watching the broadcast, I was like, cut away from him. Like, what are they doing? Like, I was like, I don't even want to know. I, I was, you know, with my beer, I was like, I don't even want to know if he's hurt. Like, get out of here with that. And of course he's hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I love walking Yeah, like that sucks. That's a bad, that ain't it. That's a bad look. But no, that I, I, I totally, I totally get it. It's a bad look, but you know what? What did he say in his post game presser? I absolutely do not regret it, and I'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll do it again too. You gotta love wide receivers, man. Wide receivers, they're they're a different breed. They really are. He also uh, said something like, uh, he's like, and we were up 21-7 at that point. I don't think Kirk was gonna, was too mad we were up 21-7. Like, come on, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But, guys. Yeah, again, not the smartest thing in the world. We came out with a win, and we trounced Wisconsin. Wisconsin who? Like, we destroyed them. We dominated the second half. Uh, we scored, we outscored him three to one um, to, you know, to end the game 28-7. Their lone touchdown coming after a muffed punt from Charlie Jones, who, great guy, great returner. You know, I, I like him on the team. The ball bounced in front of him. He was, he was signaling that he was going to get away with it, you know, get away from it. And uh, the ball bounced and he decided Eh, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to catch it and run. And as soon as he made a move, Wisconsin guys, like, you know, enclosed in on him. They tackled him as he touched the ball pretty much, which is what you can expect from someone for a situation like that, you know. And it's just a – I think it's a it's a rookie mistake. I don't think he's – you know, he's a – is he a freshman? Sophomore? Transfer. Transfer sophomore. Oh, transfer sophomore. Okay. Because I know he's new to the program. I don't remember him returning kicks before this year. So I was thinking, oh, that's just a young guy making a, making a mistake. But, um, you know, so that set up the, uh, they're, you know, they were gonna, hunting the ball. Now they get the ball down in, a, in our red zone. They come down, score a touchdown, you know, four plays later. So, uh, right. so we, we kind of gave them that. And, but then we did it again. Otherwise, we would have shut these guys out. 
Um, but we, we did it again. It was another special team situation. I want to ask Dill about this because I had questions about this when it happened. And we can get to both of these special teams issues, um, you know, after this. But Tory Taylor catches a, catches a punt. We're punting from, like, our five-yard line. And um, mm-hmm. he, it's, it's, he muffs it. He, he doesn't catch the ball and uh, drops it. So then he goes to pick it up, and he, he can't pick it up. Meanwhile, the Wisconsin guys are closing in, so he just kicks it off the ground, and it goes about, you know, 40 yards, about a little past midfield. And then, um, you know, they, they th- throw the flag. So I thought, okay, it's a flag. Like, they'll back us up, and then we'll re-kick. But instead – they it's a turnover on downs like we don't get to redo the kick at all and I don't understand that rule because I was thinking so instead of like uh, having us punt again like the other team gets the ball on our own five and luckily we had a goal line stand and uh and Jack Campbell came up with the interception in the end zone which he's playing out of his mind so not to talk your guys ear off but what are your thoughts on that Dill? like what how do you see that play as a referee you know, it, it's the right call. I mean, it, it's one of those funky things where, obviously, Tory Taylor comes from Australian rules football where that is very much legal. Um, <laughs> and so that's just one of those weird situations where it, it is a rule because I, I was kind of curious myself. And, you know, you go back and look at it and, uh, you know, you can drop a ball and pick it back up and punt it away. That's completely legal, like from muffing a snap or whatever but kicking a ball off the ground or in in what they call as a free kick is not legal in a free kick where a a change of possession is going to occur. So they did the exact right thing is where that ball hit the ground is where they came back and spotted it. So again, very, very shitty, but the right call and the point, and the point of the rule makes sense too. It's because, you know, in those situations, when you fumble a punt, you can't just, Kick, kick the ball away instead of getting tackled sort of thing, which is the whole point of football. So well, I tell you what, right though, call, like right call and unfortunate lesson to learn, you know, honestly, though, instinctively, Rob and I were talking about this before, like I would do the same thing. I've been playing football. You know, I played football for eight, you know, however many years, we'll just say, you know, 10, whatever years. Anyway, I would have done the same exact thing, you know, maybe thought about picking it back up, but if you're like that, might as well kick it off the ground. And I had no clue about the rules, so I don't I don't blame him a bit. Odd rule. It's it's an odd thing for it to come up. And it's just so typical of the Hawks for that to happen. Right. And that's why those college refs make the big bucks. They're not like us high school guys cashing in on our hundred bucks a game. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're doing quite well. So uh, you know, they're they're paid to know that rule book inside and out and just one of those weird things that you say is never going to happen, but it's in their case book for a reason. So. Yep. I agree. But speaking of him, speaking of Tory Taylor. Yeah. He was officially named punter of the year in the big 10. Yeah. That's huge, dude. He was dude, so good. He's played a legend. American football four months in. They claim he's the best in the big 10. That's just incredible to me. You know, to be honest, too, he could be one of the best in the nation, too. I think I'm pretty sure he's still up for one of the best punters in the nation right now, too, which is arguably true. Oh, agreed. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, he's definitely in the conversation. And nice thing about it is we get to keep him around for three more years. So for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like 
when, when I first saw him play, like, I remember, you know, hearing his name, you know, when we guys, when we were talking about it, like, you know, six episodes, seven episodes ago, we're like, okay, you've got a new punter. This is, he's from Australia. Michael Sleep Dalton was a great punter from Australia. We're excited to see what he does. First kick. It's like a 50 yard, 60 yard punt. And it's like, and I'm definitely exaggerating that. I think it was like probably 47 or something. It was still, it was, it was very long. And I was like, dang, okay. Like he can punt and you start to notice. And I was telling this to some, to some of my buddies, like you, you know, when you have a good punter, like we do in, in Tory Taylor, like a, well, even above that, like a, uh, an excellent punter. Um, you really start to notice when the other team doesn't like, do you remember Michigan state's punter? Yeah. Did, like the ball, like 25, 30 yards. Like we, like we stopped him on like the 20 some yard line and then we get the ball back at the 50. I was like, that's terrible. Like that's like, you know, you don't really realize how good you have it until you, you see someone who doesn't have a good punter. And then it's like that field position really comes into play. Oh, definitely. One of the underappreciated positions in football. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we can move on, guys. Uh, so we, we come out of this game six and uh, six and two. Wisconsin mur, 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 finished the year at two and three, which is excellent. Um, and honestly, coming out of this game, guys, you know, me and Bo were talking before the before the show, Dill. I mean, I honestly believe that we're the best team in the Big Ten West. I think if we played Northwestern right now, I don't think it'd be close. I don't, I'm not going to say that we would beat Ohio state in a neutral, you know, on a neutral field, but I think that you, you put our defense up against anybody, including some of the best offenses like Ohio state. And I think we got a shot. I think there's, you know, one in one in three games. I bet we win one. Right. I bet bet our offense and defense has a way better shot against Ohio state than Northwestern does. I don't think Northwestern has a, even a remote close shot. No, no, Northwestern's going to get throttled. Um, you know, I, I can't say one with 100% certainty that, you know, Iowa would necessarily have a much better chance. Although, you know, I'm kind of with you there, Rob, where I think one out of three times we'd get them at the very least. So who's to say that wouldn't be in the Big Ten championship? But, yeah, it's, you know, we, we seem to have these seasons quite a bit as Hawk fans where, you know, the season ends off with the what-ifs. You know, we can be proud of the guys for finishing the way they did when, you know, you essentially have not a whole hell of a lot to play for. And, um, you know, I think I remember saying it after week two where, you know, yeah, the chances aren't very likely, but, you know, you win out, you still have a shot at taking the Big Ten West. And Northwestern ended up getting it done. I think they benefited from having probably a slightly easier schedule than the Hawkeyes, but nonetheless, it is what it is. And, uh, would have loved to sh- crack at Indiana this weekend, but um, unfortunately, that's not the way it played out with the Big Ten wanting to schedule Indiana or Purdue, and obviously wouldn't have made a difference anyways because they ended up canceling due to COVID. But yeah, uh, yeah, I just the way this team finished this year just showed me so much about who they are. And yeah, we're gonna lose some key pieces, but we have a lot of young talent on the wayside ready to come up and make a difference just like we saw this year. So really excited for that 2021 year and, you know, really excited to see what this team has, you know, going up against an SEC team, whether that be in the Outback Bowl or the Citrus Bowl or 
you know, some other toilet bowl. <laughs> Absolutely. And that kind of brings us to, so we had a, we had a game against Michigan scheduled. Uh, Michigan had to cancel due to COVID. Um, and that, that just stinks. And, and I was saying, you know, I, in my opinion, I just think with uh, Michigan's given up, I, I don't think that they're going to have Harbaugh around as a coach next year. Um, unless just, I don't know if you guys know, does he have one year left on his contract or is this a situation where they can cut ties? Dude, he does. He has one more year left and they're, they're already talking about um, extending him another year too. Really? Oh, so they, they aren't talking about cutting him. So he'll be around at least one more year, if not more than one. Yeah. Let him. I'm fine with that. I think Michigan's a worse program with him. So yeah, that's fine with me. I mean, he's not, you know, setting the world on fire. I don't think, you know, as long as hey, Michigan, if you're okay being mediocre, then that's okay with me. I don't <laughs> think he's drawing a lot of talent. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're not really, if they are, it's not translating to the field. So, you know, if that's the, per, if, if that's the team that we draw, you know, when we play the crossover games against, against the East, then that's fine with me. You know, just one less team that we got to worry about. So, so guys, let's, uh, you know, let's take it into the mailbag. Uh, we do have some, uh, a mailbag question from one of our old, old coworkers. We all have to sit around and talk about the Hawks before we had a podcast um, so with that, I'll, I'll kind of send it over to Bo. I think you got this question ready. Yes, sir. And it, it would actually be a great transition into our national signing day as well. But uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Malloy uh, from Chicago, Illinois, pointed out that uh, we had 17 commits on national signing day the other day, nine walk-ons. And he wants to know, Hawkeyes and Tallboys members, uh, who do we think is the best walk-on uh, of the nine that are coming in? And, and Dill, I'll pass to you as our uh, as our uh, national signing day expert here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the biggest one I'm looking at is, uh, I, and I'm going to totally butcher his last name. So Johnny, if you're listening here, but it's going to be Johnny Pascuzzi. Uh, I'm trying to find his profile here, uh, but I think they expect him to play the tight end position for the Hawkeyes. Um, one of those guys that had PWOs, preferred walk-on offers all over the place. Uh, he, he's just a player, you know, and he wants to come to the University of Iowa because of our success with the walk-on program and at the tight end position. And, I mean, the guy's, the guy's fast. You know, he's 6'5". I'm trying to pull up his exact height and weight here. I, I'll try to find it. What, what's his name? Uh, I think I got it right here. All right. Okay. Sorry about that, Gibbs. Um, so, yeah, he's out of Kansas City, 6'4", 225. You know, he's got room to grow on that frame. And you watch the dude's film, and we, we can post it after this episode as well, but good God, the kid, he can catch blazing, blazing speed. I can't find a 40 time for him, but you'll just have to see it with yourself in the film. Uh, he just looks like your prototypical Iowa tight end, and how this guy came out with no offers is just amazing to me. And the only thing I can figure is, you know, his lack of weight as far as the size department goes. But, you know, with our strength and conditioning program, I see him know eventually taking over a spot as a tight end uh, you know a little bit down the line so huge huge steal as a walk on there hey uh dill where did you say that uh Pascuzzi was from uh kansas city dope okay yeah on, on that um i you know i'm gonna stay in state on this one um he's a local receiver from regina high school i know a lot of people don't like this but uh evan wick 
Um, he, he's a receiver, played for Regina this year. He's a fast little guy. Could be uh, really big on our special teams here. Um, potentially a returner. I'm not sure if he'll ever get that, but um, on all special teams, could be a really big player for us. And, and uh, I think there's a bright future for him. So really looking out for, for Evan Wick. And I was going to say, does he, does he remind you of anybody, Bo? Have you watched his film at all? Um, I have. Uh, so to be honest with you, I watched their, uh, their state title run this year. But uh, who, who do you have in mind? Eddie Hinkle. Yeah, who, I like that. Who also happens to be his coach at Regina. Yep. The, the guy is literally Ed Hinkle reincarnated. And it's so funny because, you know, Ed Hinkle's another one who came into, you know, the University of Iowa, not a whole hell of a lot of offers, not a lot of attention. And, you know, kind of that similar frame, short, speed, speed, quick guy, uh, you know, broke every Regina receiving record known to man. And uh, for those of you that don't, aren't familiar with high school football in the state of Iowa, I think Regina is kind of one of those powerhouses in the lower classes. Uh, you know, I hear some nonsense that they recruit and whatnot and uh, very well could be the case, but nonetheless, phenomenal program they got going on down there. And for him to just tear up the record books the way he has uh, another guy, I absolutely got as a steal. And, and the best part about it too, is, you know, you hear about how hard the kids work and you always hear this with the walk on stories, but you know, how hard he works for one, you know, the talent to go with it. And then three, and sometimes the most important thing in my opinion is the kid, you know, grew up wanting to be a Hawk. He wants to be a Hawk. That's been his goal. You know, he, he didn't really listen too much to all the Division two offers that came his way and, you know, some of the D1 AA offers and whatnot. So the, the guy wants to be a Hawk and he wants to be a contributor. And, you know, I see him playing an Ed Hinkle role in the Iowa offense. So I think Petrus is going to be a very happy man here in a year or two that this young man committed today. I like that. And, and staying on the, the signing day, so just so everyone knows, Iowa is the sixth best best class in the Big Ten right now, 22nd best in the nation right now with 17 commits and nine walk-ons. Rob, I'll pass this question to you. So we talked about our favorite walk-ons. Who do you think out of the 17 commits is going to be maybe the your favorite or one of the most key impactors right away here for Iowa? So I'm not sure who the, when this person committed, but uh, David, David Koff. Mm-hmm. That guy is a name that sticks out to me. First off, kind of is, he's got, you know, his name and his first name in his last name, which is pretty dope. But uh, dude is uh, number one, you know, offensive tackle from Illinois. Looks like he's 6'6", 295. Uh, he's a big, he's a big guy. And uh, he's going to fit right in with the, uh, with the, with the type of, uh, you know, size that we like on our, on our offensive line. Um I just want to see if he's going to be somebody who, who rises to the occasion the way Tristan Wirfs did um, in the weight room. And so, you know, I'm excited to see, you know, us taking somebody from, you know, my, my home state, uh, number one at his position, offensive tackle, which is great. He's a four-star, according to, um, you know, 24-7 sports. He's a 93.56 rating is what they have him rated as. So, I mean, exactly what we need, you know, boring, but, uh, hey, you know, you got to win the battle in the trenches. Oh, that's the thing. dude. In, in the Big Ten, you know, the key to winning football games is that battle in the trenches. And, Rob, I love the fact that you brought him up. Uh, a, a little bit more about him as well. Uh, U.S. Army All-American, so he'd be playing in the All-American Bowl, you know, if COVID wasn't a thing. So, uh, sucks for the young man, but I know he's excited to get to Iowa City. 
Uh, another cool thing about him is he's actually also a rugby player down there. So, uh, you know, at his high school. So, you know, he's tough. You know, he can move. Um, and just flat out, just a great signing. Um, you know, comes to the University of Iowa with our offensive line pedigree. He, he's excited to get there. Um, and I was going to say, I thought I saw an updated weight somewhere with him. See if I can find it. Um, so I think they got 6'6", 295 is what he's getting ready to come in with. So re really love that pick, Rob. Um, and one of the things you'll notice if you really dissect the film of these 2021, class of 2021 recruits, is especially in the offensive line, is the mean streak these guys play with. So you look at Connor Colby out of Cedar Rapids Kennedy, one of those guys that's finishing blocks. You know, he's pancaking people at the whistle. You love to see it. Uh, Bo Stevens is another one. He's out of – I want to say Missouri. Yeah, Blue Springs, Missouri, it looks like. Another 6'6", 305 pounds coming into the University of Iowa. So, you know, I think Iowa's kind of taking the Wisconsin route there a little bit where, you know, they're essentially just getting these mammoths. They're getting them onto campus, you know, shedding some of that bad baby fat that they still got, you know, turning these boys into men and letting them loose. And, uh, you know, it's not like if you ever want to go back and have a laugh, go back and look at one of Kirk Ferentz's first offensive line classes where they're all, you know, 6'6", 230, 240, you know, projects that essentially need to put on 60 pounds of muscle. So, um, but yeah, Bo, Bo Stevens, another one. Uh, probably my favorite uh, offensive line commit out of this class and has nothing to do with his playing style, although his film is great as well. Another guy from Illinois, Rob, if you're familiar, familiar with Lena, Illinois, would be Jennings Dunker, 6'5", 290 right now. And he took a picture for signing day. He had a cut-off Britney Spears T-shirt on and said Britney Spears was his favorite artist of all time. So uh, just the, the kid's going to fit in. You know, he, he's going to fit in, meant to be a Hawkeye. Uh, one of the best offensive line hauls they've had. And if you guys are okay with it, I might just go on rambling about this class. I, no, that's I, we need to, we need to listen to it. It's the it's our kind of our end of the season wrap up here before we get to our bowl game. So that works just fine. Um, and then and I you know I'd be remiss if we did not talk about the wide receiver hall in this class. So obviously we got a couple of key pieces leaving after the season. Um, you know, assuming they both opt to graduate in Amir Smith, Marset, and Brandon Smith, and you know, these guys are going to come in and be ready to play. Um, big one, big one right here. Keegan Johnson out of Bellevue, Nebraska. Um, son of an actually legacy that was a national champion with Nebraska back in the day, uh, Cluster Johnson. So uh, he's going to come and be wide receiver. He's 6'1", 188. Right now you kind of compare him to that Amir Smith-Marset type of player. He's come out and make the big plays. Uh, another one with blazing speed, highly sought after. You know, a steal to get him out of Nebraska. So, got to love the recruiting effort there. And then we have a multi-sport player in Brody Breck. He's going to play both baseball and football here at the University of Iowa. A hell of a year he had for Ankeny. He's another big, big guy, I want to say. Yep, 6'4", 200 pounds. Another highly rated recruit for the state champion, Ankeny Hawks. Um, and then his teammate as well that came from Kansas City, or somewhere in the Kansas area. Yep. But he came when, you know, they shut down football for the season. And we got Arlen Bruce. And Arlen Bruce is kind of that Tyrone Tracy of the group. You know, we expect him to play a little bit in the slot. Uh, so far in high school, he's played a ton in the Wildcat as well. So look for him to get a few snaps in 
uh, Tyler Goodson's role currently. But Arlen Bruce also passed for 14 touchdowns as a junior in Kansas. So uh, didn't throw as many passes with Ankeny, but, you know, he has that ability as well. So uh, love that wide receiver haul. Uh, quick little hot take. We got a defensive tackle out of Benton, North Iowa. Another stud, Griffin Little. And they got him at 6'3", 275. Uh, probably more like 6'2", according to the Kirk Ferentz test. When somebody stands next to Kirk Ferentz, he's about – Six one, six two, and I think he was a little bit shorter than Kirk. So, but my hot take with Griffin Little, and I posted it on Twitter, so my followers may have already seen this. He is the next Tyler Tyler Lenderbaum. He is going to end up playing center at the University of Iowa. Uh, he's coming in as a defensive tackle, similar to how Tyler Lenderbaum did it. But you know, after Justin Britt ends up graduating, who I think slides in after Tyler Lenderbaum, you're going to see this young man playing center. Just has another one of those mean streaks as well. So really love that pickup. And then on the defensive side of the ball, my God, you know, the pickups we got were just crazy as well. You got four-star linebacker Justin Prairie, Justin Sullivan out of Eden Prairie, Minnesota, uh, 6'2", 225, had a season-ending injury this year. Uh, so didn't see a whole lot of the senior film, but the junior, junior film was just unbelievable. Um, the type of guy that can put on a little bit of weight, can put his hand in the dirt, play a little defensive end. Uh, still protecting that outside linebacker role as well. So love to see it. Uh, touched him on the- along with Justin Justin. Say it again. Him play him playing alongside with uh, Justin Justin. Justin Jacobs. Jacobs. Justin Justin Jacobs. Justin, yeah. Justin Jacob. I, I, I know who you were talking about, Rob. Yeah. No, no, love it. I, you know, obviously another huge huge piece of the puzzle there, Justin Jacobs. You know, I think he's going to have a fabulous future with the Hawks. But uh, at the linebacker position, you also got Jaden Harrell coming in from Urbandale. Uh, Sack Tweed, a uh, guy out of Story City, was previously committed to Iowa State. Uh, Jeff Bowie, defensive end, coming in from West Branch, another one of those guys that could bulk up a little bit, play a little D tackle. So we'll see there. Um, all around, all American, you got Cooper DeGene. Uh, you watch this guy's film, and I'm stealing this comparison from Tom Caker, but it's just so spot on. It reminds you so much of Tyler Sash. Can just play every single position on the field and be an absolute stud. Um, rest Cooper in DeGene, peace. Absolutely, rest in peace. But Cooper DeGene, he's got that skill set that can literally play any position on the field, so he can be used as a wild card on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, right now, they expect him to come in and play that safety role. And, you know, if he's three-quarters of a player that Tyler Sash was – you know, I, I think there's no question he leaves an all Big Ten caliber player. So, um, and kind Another of four star. Absolutely. Yep. And you can just keep on going with this list where you got Max Llewellyn, another defensive end out of Urbandale, 6'5, 230. Uh, you know, needs to put a little bit of weight on that frame, but the potential's there. The motor's there. Gotta love to see him. Um, and my diamond in the rough for this class is Jeremiah Pittman, defensive end out of Arlington Heights, Illinois, 6'2, 260 right now. He's just got the makings of, you know, an Iowa Hawkeye defensive tackle. And so under the radar, he's, you know, the quietest kid in the world. His coach talks about how he never talks and, you know, it kind of makes him come across as a dick. But in reality, he's just the nicest kid in the world. And uh, he's literally got that Iowa Hawkeye defensive tackle mold to me. So another guy coming in as a DN, look for him to slide down to D tackle and possibly even make an impact next year. Um and then as far as that quarterback position goes, you got Joey Lavis out of Ohio. Uh, missed on a few of the – Iowa missed on a few of their early quarterback targets, but, you know, I think found a steal in this kid. He's just a slinger. 
um, you know, he, he can come in and compete and, you know, and the quarterback rule is going to be full. So, you know, he'll come in red shirt and, you know, see if he can't drive and compete with the other guys and, you know, help them get a little bit better as well. So really love that pick and a late pickup they got. And it's kind of funny because I actually officiated this young man um, in a football game this year, but you got Carson Sherrar, linebacker out of Iowa Falls. They picked him up late. Iowa was his only power five offer, uh, you know, offered him on the last day and he committed on the spot. Just another one of those guys, just a hell of a linebacker. He played a little bit of running back for him as well. Uh, I saw him over at Anamosa when we officiated their game and the dude just hits like a truck. Um, would I have said at the time that he's a D1 football player? Probably not, but he's a project. He's got the talent. Uh, love to see it. Love to see it. So, I mean, overall, this class is just flat out outstanding. Um, I think if I had to pick one person that I am the most excited about, because I think that was the original question, I have to go as far as playmaker wise, Keegan Johnson, uh, the, the dude's film is just outrageous. Again, I think he's a more refined. I think he's an Amir Smith-Marset when Amir Smith-Marset was a junior at the University of Iowa. So, you know, I, I think he's got that type of potential impact where he can come in next year and can compete for minutes with Tyrone Tracy and uh, Nico Regani and the fellas. So uh, look for him as well. And, yeah, just overall uh, – Awesome, awesome hole. I think Rivals has them ranked right now as the 27th best recruiting class in the nation. I know, I want to say 247's got them at 22. Uh, so, yeah, I by far, parents' best class, you know, since the 2005 year with the City Boys that all ended up in jail before the season even started. So, <laughs> makes makes you think, though, that all those guys buy into Kirk Ferentz being there for at least five more years, too. You know, like not only that, but they buy into the coaches, they buy into the culture. You know, there, there's some there's some big things going on in Iowa City. And to, for us fans, I mean, it's it's really exciting to hear. Absolutely. And, and an important thing to remember, too, for those that don't really follow recruiting all that much. So this December signing day is a new thing. So most of you might remember, you know, maybe from your high school days or whatever, signing day is primarily in February. But what they started doing is this December signing day for those essentially that, you know, can graduate at semester can come right away and enroll early. So that's the whole point of that. So there's still several targets out there that, you know, I was potentially looking at. I know Jordan Oladukin, who's decommitted from Iowa twice. I know they're still recruiting him a little bit. Rumor has it that he tried to get back on the bus this week and they kind of told him to kick rocks. But so I, I'd still look for his name because if he sticks with Iowa, I think they end up taking him in the end. Um, you look at a guy like Xavier Williams, grad transfer out of UNI. Uh, he's another one to be, you know, absolutely impressed with. Uh, great film, you know, fills the position of need at that cornerback safety role. Uh, so he, he could be a pickup as well. And then you'll know this uh, big uh, true center. So if this guy ends up getting on board, my Griffin Little prediction might be out the window. But Michael Mislinski or Mislinski, I don't know, really know how you pronounce that, but he committed to Texas a few months back, decided to pull back on that de or pull back and decommit after the season that Texas is having right now. So says I was still in the mix. Um, yeah, just – a lot, a lot going on in the recruiting world, and I expect it to get even crazier these next couple months. For sure, for sure. No, that's exciting. Um, 
Well, appreciate uh, Dill. Appreciate your knowledge on that. Um, to kind of round out football here, um, obviously we have one more game left as, as long as COVID doesn't take it away from us. Um, Rob, do you kind of want to walk through where Iowa is sitting at right now in terms of where we're going to go for a bowl game or potentially where we could go travel to a bowl game? Sure. So as much as we would like to imagine that we'd be in the Big Ten title game, um, unfortunately the Hawkeyes will not have a shot to play in that as they lost to Northwestern. Northwestern owns the tiebreaker because they beat us head-to-head, and head-to-head actually comes before win percent or win-loss percentage. So although we we would finish with a better win-loss percentage um, than than Northwestern because they beat us um, and because other teams canceled their games, unfortunately, they get the nod to be uh, in the Big Ten championship against an Ohio State team which the Big Ten had to come together on an emergency meeting um, to decide that they would be crowned Big Ten champions um, regardless of the outcome of the game against Northwestern due to um, they didn't meet the six-game requirement. They're only 5-0 and uh, as they all the other games were canceled, you know, one of them being Michigan and, and other games that they had on the schedule. So where does that put the Hawkeyes? So we are going to be in an at – well, yeah, we'd be in an at-large bid um, bowl. And correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but that th- projects us into possibly a New Year Six situation. Um, and you could make an argument that the that the uh, that the Iowa Hawkeyes would be, you know, the second best team in the Big Ten, albeit maybe the standings don't show that. But the way that we've been playing, especially we've won six in a row uh, or five in a Six in a row. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, especially since we've won six in a row and the last few wins that we've had are against fairly competitive teams and they've been pretty decided. Uh, we've won pretty decidedly. So I think all that is, is uh, feathers in our cap at this point. Um, but I feel like maybe the best that we could hope for would be uh, like an, maybe an orange bowl. Yeah, I think right now, Rob, the way I see it is I think best case scenario for the Hawkeyes is you end up in that Citrus Bowl playing in Orlando. Um, it's kind of look like looking like most likely I think Iowa ends up in that Outback Bowl in that fourth Big Ten slot uh, behind Indiana. I think Indiana will end up getting the nudge. Yeah, or not maybe I'm wrong about maybe Northwestern, Northwestern um, get the nudge over them. But uh, And then it sounds like worst case you can end up in Music City going to Nashville is the way I understand it, I guess. Bo, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree completely. I, I From what I've heard, Citrus would be not necessarily a reach, but would be lucky, and Outback Bowl is basically what we should be planning for right now. And from what I've heard, it's likely we're probably going to be seeing some SEC teams. If we play in that Music City Bowl, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe we play an ACC or Big 12 team. Um, yep, but from what, I've, from what I've heard anyway, it's sounding more like Missouri is going to be the team if we decide to go to the Outback. I shouldn't say decide, but if we end up going to the Outback Bowl. It sounds like Missouri is going to be the team we'll likely play. I've heard a lot about Kentucky, some with Auburn and Old Miss, but to look for Kentucky or Missouri. If we happen to play in some ACC Bowl, Wake Forest is right there um, for us too. But in terms of Big 12, I think everybody in the state of Iowa is hoping that Iowa State loses this weekend and we can play them in a bowl game somewhere. That, that, that would be something there, but 
you know who i really want to see iowa play i i could give a crap less about the cyhawk game myself i think i think they need to play that game once every other year if that anyways but that's for a different rant i want to see this hawkeye team go up against auburn uh bo nix and the auburn tigers i think they got a solid squad and you know, that, that'd be a test. You know, there's definitely that chance that Iowa could get absolutely boat raced. But, you know, I, I think this Iowa team, with how hot they are and the weapons they got and the defense we got, you know, I think they got a shot with anybody in the country right now. Bring on Auburn, I say. We want Bama. I agree completely. I, someone asked me or someone said, you know what, why don't we go take Missouri on in, some, in the Outback Bowl and just cruise to a win? I was like, you know what, that would be way too easy. You know, it, it wouldn't even be fun for viewers. Like, we're going to go in there thinking, oh, we're going to beat the shit out of Missouri. I want to test. I agree completely with you. Auburn is a is a well-known program, well-respected program in the, in the SEC. And for Iowa to go in and play somebody like Auburn and really test what we have going this year, I think that would say numbers, especially comparative to what recruiting statuses look like for both teams. I think that would be awesome for Iowa, especially to win, but to play somebody like Auburn in a big bowl game like that. Absolutely. I think it, I, you know, just to correct myself earlier, I was, I said, I think I said orange bowl, but I was, I knew it was wrong and I, I was thinking citrus. So orange citrus, <laughs> whatever, regardless. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I want to play the, the best team out from the biggest conference. So naturally I want to play an SEC team. I, you know, it reminds me of when we played Mississippi state, you know what I mean? Like I want to play a, t- a big team like that who has a big following um, from the South in the, in the SEC. Like, that's what I want to play. I think that that's what's best for the Big Ten as far as that goes, because I feel like there's a lot of people that, you know, think, oh, you know, that's just how they play in the Big Ten, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I was, you know, they lost two games. Like, they're not – they don't stand a chance against this, you know, middle-of-the-road SEC team, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And it's just like we're – I truly believe that – our team is one of the best teams in the country and um, you know, definitely in basketball, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, But I think that, you know, like we're able to hang with the best teams in the nation. And I think we showed that last year in the holiday bowl against a USC. If we played anybody in the pac 12, we would win by three scores. I I just don't think it's close. I think we need to play like the biggest teams and I, you know, it's going to be tough to for anyone outside of. Obviously, we're um, biased, <laughs> but you know, I think that uh, it, it it'd be tough to kind of um, make that case after losing early to to Northwestern and, and Purdue. Right. Well, I think everyone's kind of looking at us with you know the the idea of hey, yeah, they won six games, but look at the competition they play. They've only played one two teams with a winning record and only beat one of them. You know what I'm saying? So uh, obviously that's tough. That's a tough pill to swallow, but it's not like we're staying closer competitive with these teams. You know, all of the, all of the games that we've had recently minus Nebraska have been, you know, one side of game. So you got to look at that as well. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's what you have to look for guys, listeners, citrus, you know, could be on the table. Um, hopefully not a music city. And uh, if you're on our side, come on, Auburn. One, one thing to notice or one thing to note, too, is that a lot of these bowl games are going to let anywhere up to 20% capacity in for both teams. So it would be pretty cool to go and watch, uh, watch your Iowa Hawkeyes play down in Florida somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, guys, without further ado, we got to bring it down to basketball before we go. Um, it's been a great episode so far, but we need to end on a high note, um, and we're going to keep it going. So the Iowa men's basketball team is currently 6-0. and They're ranked third in the nation. We've said it before. We'll say it again the last time. They're ranked third in the nation. Um, dates, I think there was once in 2015, but then it came all the way back to uh, 1986-87 uh, squad. Um, yep. And so – here we are, six in the nation, uh, third in the nation. We're six and zero. Oh. We um, have played some teams that aren't as good, but we recently beat uh, number twenty-two ranked North Carolina. I think they're ranked number sixteen at the time. Uh, we beat them by thirteen points. Um, recently, we we beat Iowa State by more than or almost thirty. Um, and then our most recent game was against Northern Illinois, uh, which. If you even want to call it a game, we won 106 to 53. Um, and so, guys, first off, I just want to talk about how great this team is. Uh, I want to talk about, you know, what our hopes are for them, um, you know, who your favorite players are to watch. And then I want to talk about, guys, even though we don't have a football game this coming Saturday, we do play the number one team in the land, Gonzaga, a one versus three matchup. It's at 11 o'clock in the morning, which is odd. Because when's the last time you saw a one versus three matchup randomly in the middle of the day? Like, that should be a prime game. It's a, it, well, it's 11 o'clock prime time, apparently. But the only bad thing for, for Iowa fans, I shouldn't even say this, but the Iowa State, the Big 12 title game is right at 11 o'clock, too. So, obviously, everyone's going to be watching yeah, that. We're all yeah, watching. Everyone's going to be watching that basketball game, but it kind of sucks. We can't go back and forth. But, Rob, I'll start out, uh, if you don't mind, Dill. This is, uh, this is pretty exciting to see that not only is Iowa the number three team in the nation, but they're the number two team in the nation in scoring. They average just about 100 points a game. And you can't tell me that is not ridiculous. Garza, arguably the national player, player of the year. He's been recognized every single one of his games so far and obviously of last year too. A lot of people are thinking that this guy, this team has a lot of hype because they beat a lot of bad teams. No, just went out and beat North Carolina and did it willingly and put up 90 plus points on them. On top of that, Garza is not the only one who's playing. We got guys who are draining threes and we have a ton of freshmen and, and redshirt freshmen who are contributing. So this team is deep. They can hit the deep ball. Garza and Weiss Camp are a one, two punch. This team is so fun. They have the opportunity potentially to make it to a final four, if not a national championship, if they can all stay healthy and keep up the way they're doing it so far. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. Watching this basketball team, Bo, the sky's the limit with them right now. Obviously, uh, we have future player of the year. I think I think he's a shoe in to win the Naismith, essentially myself and Luca Garza, where, you know, you just go back and look at that Iowa State game. Yeah, not the best of competition necessarily, but gets in some early foul trouble, then comes back and scores 30 straight points, 34 straight points in the second half. Like that's just outrageous. I mean, the kid, the kid's a player. You know, he might be one of the best collegiate basketball players to ever come through Iowa City. So big shoes to fill there, but the kid's just a stud. Um, you know, quick Joe stat. Wieskamp's another one. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Quick stat when it comes to that. This is ridiculous, by the way. So Luca Garza from Iowa basketball team, he scored 34 points in 20 minutes against, um, against Iowa State, mm -hmm. which puts him at – well, first off, that's the most points – that anyone's ever scored in the last 25 seasons in college basketball within that amount of time, in that amount right. of time, 20 minutes. So that's 
ridiculous, first off. Secondly, he leads the nation right now in points per minute, um, which is like over 1.5 something points per minute, which if you compare minutes played to points scored, um, is just also very far and away, uh, you know, you know, off the charts with the way that he's playing. So to break that down, listeners, he scored 175 points in 149 minutes so far this year. <laughs> and and that, that's just outrageous. Those those are video game like numbers. Like it's, it's yeah. just absolutely incredible. And you know, I I think that alone would put us in contention to you know make a Sweet 16 and whatnot. But look at his supporting cast. It's absolutely outrageous. You got. Jack Nunji, another one who is like a fifth-year freshman with all his injuries and his yeah. that he's taken. So you got him. You know, he's another one dropped 17 on Iowa State. Uh, you look at Pat, Patrick McCaffrey, comes in versus Northern Illinois, drops 14. Uh, another one, true freshman Keegan Murray, you know, comes in, scores 10 with, you know, a, a few blocks and just one of those guys that can do it all. And, you know, that's not even to count, you know, our three-point shooting studs we got. Uh, obviously, Jordan Bohannon and um, C.J. Frederick. C.J. Frederick, thank you. And all right, th- this team's just stacked from head to toe. You know, I, I made that joke watching that Northern Illinois game because I made a point to watch it again. We had our entire second team in there, and we were still scoring at will. Like, yep. like you, had to, you had to throw the guys that are primarily just scout teamers, not scholarship guys out there for Northern Illinois to do absolutely anything. Now, again, yes, I get it's Northern Illinois, but I mean, that, that's just stupid. Like, this team is stupid talented. Uh, you know, they're beating teams by 50 with, you know, the entire starting lineup only playing 19, 20 minutes. So, just absolutely unreal. The sky's the limit with this team, and I, I don't even want to necessarily put some expectations on them, but I know we're getting to it. And I, I think this team has a damn good shot at beating Gonzaga. And for those of you that don't know much about the Sags, Jalen Suggs, uh, one of those combo guards that can do a little bit of everything. And uh, a team that's obviously number one in the nation right now has a very good chance at being a national title contender with Iowa as well. So uh, credit to Fran McCaffrey one for scheduling this game. Um, and Gary Barta as well, you know, given this Iowa team, some of the best competition they can face early on in the out of conference. And I'm going to make an unpopular prediction here, but I think Iowa goes on to lose this game on Saturday. I truly do, but I, I think they're going to lose it close. And I think it's going to be a tough fought game. And I think it's going to propel them for the rest of the season to potentially make a run in the NCAA tournament and a big 10 championship along the way. I couldn't agree more. I, I, I believe it's going to be a three or four point game. I think Iowa's going to lose, but here's the, here's the one thing that's keeping Iowa in this basketball game. I listened to a, a press conference today with uh, Gonzaga head coach, Mark few, which greatly respect the man. He's, he's a terrific basketball coach and a great recruiter. Uh, just so everyone knows they haven't played a basketball game in over 10 days. Cause they've been out with COVID. They've had to skip their last four basketball games. Knowing this, Yesterday was the first practice they'd had in roughly nine days. And so they came back, they came back uh, today, or sorry, yesterday, and all their players were gassed. You know, they hadn't had the conditioning that the Iowa players have had, hadn't had that shoot around. So with that being said, they're a team that loves to run and gun, you know, loves to get the ball, push the ball down the court. As long as Iowa can play defense and run those guys out, we got a shot. And knowing that we're going to play in the Stanford Pentagon in, in South Dakota, it's an old gym. It's just like when we played uh, at the Palestra last year against Penn State, you know, it could be super hot, you know, it could be muggy, 
could be one of those things where it could deter a lot of those Gonzaga basketball players. But I will say this, they have, they have their full roster. They have their full lineup back without injury. They should be good to go. So I like seeing this with no excuses. It's going to be best against best Iowa against Gonzaga this weekend. I really like the matchup here and this will be a great determiner for what's going to happen the rest of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right, guys. It'll be a great game to watch. Just looking ahead to this uh, Iowa men's basketball team schedule, um, they are their next big game. So, you know, they've got, obviously, basketball play a few times a week, typically. Um, but as you look through the holidays, um, it's going to be, a, you know, a couple um, of the lower Big Ten teams that we do have games slated against. We play a number 19 Rutgers team. But, guys, this year the Big Ten has uh, – I, I, I don't think it's a record, but – it, they do have a lot of teams ranked, nationally ranked. So Rutgers is ranked 19th at the moment. Michigan State is ranked fourth in the nation. We play them on uh, January 14th, so look out for that game. Um, we also play uh, Illinois. That's going to be a very tough team this year that a lot of people have going deep into the tournament. Um, we play them on the 29th. Um, and then also back-to-back games from – we stop from Illinois, then we go to Ohio State's ranked 20th in the nation – um, then we got Wisconsin ranked 12th, Michigan ranked number 25. So um, these are all teams that we're going to play. So our, our basically middle of January to all the way through February, every other game is going to be a nationally ranked game. So it's going to be tough. Um, but, you know, I think this, if there is ever a team to, to come out, you know, victorious or want to put your money on, it's going to be this Hawkeye team. So, so they go. said – they said from the jump too that the Big Ten was going to be the best basketball conference in the in the league this year, and and that's no doubt. I mean, it's going to be a battle inside out every night. You're going to be playing at a at a team, or you're going to play at home. Either way, you're going to get the best from either team. So it's going to be fun to watch how this Iowa team could play against conference teams. And to be honest with you, after what I saw, you know, I, I believe Ohio State just lost, or sorry, just beat Purdue. No, sorry, other way around. Purdue just beat Ohio State in basketball. It looks nice. like a couple couple of these teams Iowa could could wax the floor with. So <laughs> we we could be seeing Iowa score a ton of points and uh, and playing some really good basketball this year. Yep. Um, and up until this point, I I was excited that we were six and zero going into Gonzaga. I thought you know if we lose one game out of our first ten and it's to Gonzaga, that's really not not that bad of a loss. No, absolutely. Uh, so, I don't think we drop. I don't think we drop less than you know top five. Even if we lose to Gonzaga, I'd say maybe lose a spot. Even maybe. Yeah. yeah. So good stuff all around, guys. Um, so look out for that. If you have questions, obviously send us your mailbag questions. We are going to. Um, so our upcoming schedule, as far as the podcast goes, we are going to take the next week off as it. Um, we're getting close to Christmas and New Year's. Um, we probably will not know what our bowl game is until the new year. Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Uh, this Sunday. Yep. Okay. So, yep. We'll yeah. Know Sunday. So, yeah, I think we can count on doing one before the bowl game, assuming it's not on Christmas Day, which it won't be. So we could probably get an episode in previewing that. But yeah, other than that, we're gonna take a take a week to hang out with the fam bam and uh, if you guys need your Hawkeye news, feel free to continue following us on Twitter at HTallBoys. Uh, you got Mama Zoo, myself, running the account now. So prepare for controversy in the offseason. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. Fans with sources, right, guys? That's right. right.
So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, finish up the uh, episode just like we normally do with a little Iowa victory polka as I get this pulled up. All right, here we go, Fox. Let's beat the Jags. What do you say? Woo! Perfect. Perfect. 